Think about the amazing journey that we've been on as human beings. Yeah, we've all seen so much in our lives, and a lot of cases flown to other countries, continents. But in a way, that's just the small stuff. I mean, we've been more intense places than that. Really? Like where? Well, for one thing, for nine months, you rented out space inside another person's body. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You used to be too small to see with a naked eye. You used to breathe fluid. Mm, that's a thought. Yeah, that's quite a change of scenery. I mean, what an event. In a way, it almost makes me not sad, but I guess wistful that we've left the drama of that behind is in some ways the most exciting part of our life behind us? Well, but nothing's ever really behind us. I don't know if I follow. Well, because of the progressive nature of our lives, from the outermost and most static layer of created reality through cyclical but advancing processes toward what is more dynamic and essential, we actually revisit these archetypal episodes in more and more interior ways. Oh, I get it. <laughs> well, I know I made it sound complicated, but it's just that because we go through the physical birth process here, and the physical level is a kind of image of the spiritual level, mm -hmm. there's something just as dynamic, beautiful, and meaningful waiting for us in the plane of our spirits. So you're saying that we can be born again? Oh, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, it kind of does have a familiar ring. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg in Life. Tonight we're going to be talking about regeneration. My name is Curtis Childs and I'll be your host. And with me as always is Swedenborg scholar Dr. Jonathan Rose. Thanks so much for being on the program. Hey Curtis, great to be here. And I have to say I'm really excited to get to talk about this process of spiritual rebirth that Swedenborg calls regeneration. Hmm. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not so sure about that. You don't want to talk about it tonight? No, I just don't want to do it. Oh. Like, I don't want to, whatever this thing is, getting spiritually reborn, I, I just think I want out. So I'm going to actually leave this whole Swedenborg thing alone. I'm going to go try something else, maybe on the other end of the spiritual spectrum. Mm. Uh, maybe Hinduism. Okay, well, that's uh, wonderful. I Thank you. wish you well on this new leg of your spiritual journey, but I think you'll find that that second birth thing is actually in that tradition as well. Where? Have a look at this quote. For he causes the pupil to be born a second time by imparting to him sacred learning. The second birth is the best. The father and the mother produce the body only. Wow. So not only is there this spiritual birth, but it's even better than the, the yeah, first one we went through. better than the first Okay, one. I see. But yeah. I actually, I didn't mean Hinduism. I'm actually going to go try Buddhism. Oh, okay, okay. I should be Good. far awesome. away from it there. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. I'm totally not trying to harsh your buzz here, but the, you, you might run into something there too. What? Uh, look at this quote. You are my own true sons born of my mouth, born into the doctrine, created in the doctrine, my spiritual heirs, not carnal heirs. So there's kind of that idea of rebirth in there too. Yeah, right? that's the same concept. But actually, you didn't hear me correctly. Oh. I didn't say Buddhism. I don't know how that quote got in there. We actually, I actually said Judaism. Jude, they sound alike, yeah, don't they? So that's they, different they do enough. sound alike, yeah. but I'm afraid that's not going to help you. You know, the, the commentaries, the Midrash talks about things like this. Repentance makes man a new creature, hitherto dead through sin, he is fashioned afresh. That's about the same, rebirth, right? It's the same kind of thing. And it, but it's probably just because I'm just picking these old religions. So back when they all started, whenever years ago, it was probably mm. a fad to talk about stuff like this. So let's go to something that was started more recently. Like I think um, Baha'i faith. <clears throat> I'm going to go join that. I'm really sorry to tell you this, but um, have a look at this quote. 
have not this people exemplified the mysteries of rebirth? It actually says it. Yep. Nothing short of this mystic transformation could cause such spirit and behavior so utterly unlike their previous habits and manners. Mm. So a second birth, rebirth as a spiritual or, or psychological next phase, it seems like it's pretty much everywhere. It seems that way. And yeah. you know what else is everywhere? Physical birth. Oh, very like popular. This, yeah. this, this event that began our lives and has had such a big impact on the people that are giving it and supporting it, it brings new people into our lives. The echoes of physical birth are everywhere. And just like physical birth is everywhere and spiritual birth is everywhere, the two aren't separate. Physical mm. birth actually corresponds, according to Swedenborg, mm. Swedenborg to spiritual does, birth. does talk about that. Yeah. And so in that physical birth, with all of its, what would you say, with its beauty, its struggle, its triumph, we yeah. see an image within there of an essential spiritual process as well. So using physical birth as our guide, let's explore that same beauty, struggle, and triumph in what Swedenborg calls regeneration, beginning in part one. So something that's important to realize about regeneration is that this is something that largely happens to you rather than you having to steer and complete the whole thing on your own. Swedenborg says in Secrets of Heaven 88, creating people anew, regenerating them, is the Lord's work alone. This is kind of the counterpoint. You remember before we've talked about repentance or this, I'm not going to be mean anymore. Oh, I shouldn't get mad. I shouldn't say that thing. I should shun various evils. That's our part. This regeneration is the part of the divine that is happening, catalyzed by us and what we do, but all the major work in the process is on God's end. And actually, Jesus Christ talks about this pretty plainly in the book of John. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So Jesus is talking pretty blatantly about being born again, and this is a bit confusing to Nicodemus. What, what do you mean? I'm, I'm already born. But Swedenborg says it's worth using that language because the spiritual process of regeneration is so analogous or has so many similarities to the physical process. He talks about it in True Christianity 583. He says, regeneration progresses analogously to the way we are conceived, carried in the womb, born and brought up. For human beings, there is a constant correspondence between the stages a person goes through physically and the stages a person goes through spiritually. So not just in general, but every bit of the process of being born in this world, growing up, getting old, everything that we go through is a mirror of what we are going through for this second birth and second life that we have. And so what, but what is this spiritual life we can get born into? We were already pretty alive, right? But Swedenborg says, actually, spiritual life is something 
we need to be initiated into, and it comes down to a love for the Lord and a love for the neighbor. In New Jerusalem 174, he says, we're born by our parents into an earthly life, but not into a spiritual life. So what's the difference? What are those two lives? He's actually using earthly life with a negative connotation here. He's equating it with our sort of ego-driven autopilot. He talks about earthly life consisting of love of self and love of the world. So this, again, is sensory gratification, um, love of putting yourself first, controlling others, everything we tend towards sort of negatively, that comes hardwired in. But this spiritual life, which is what he calls love to the Lord and love to the neighbor, which another way you could put it is the love of the good and the true or mutual love to the whole human race, really getting outside ourselves, caring about someone else, that's something we have to be born into, and that's what this process is all about. So that spiritual life, this sort of second wind of humanity that we get, we have to be, but we have to develop that because we're not automatically brought into it. So why? Why does this condition exist in the first place? Why do we start out in this negative form and need to be reborn? What has to do with your family tree? Swedenborg talks about something that he calls spiritual heredity. So if you think about your ancestry or your family tree going back all these generations, we know that there's a physical heredity, that genetics are passed on generation to generation. We're learning all about that through science. Swedenborg says it happens on the level of the heart and mind or, or the spirit as well. And that actually with the spiritual side, the way that we live our lives affects what we pass on to the next generation. So if somebody up the chain from me, great-great-grandma, great-great-grandpa, lives a life where they love something that's what we would call evil or ego-based or harmful, and they decide they're going to do it willingly, they're going to incorporate it into their life, they're going to practice it, that actually becomes a part of their spirit, and they pass it on to their kids, who pass it on to their kids, and all the way down to this is where we get the baggage that we have from. There's thousands of years of humans accumulating these negative tendencies, and they end up in us. That's what we start with, tendencies towards these things. However, it's not just the negative stuff. If anybody up there works to live a life of useful service, of love, of resisting harmful things, that makes it easier for the next generation who can then make it easier for you. So that, given that it's not stopping with me, that my kids and their kids are going to have lives that are influenced by what I do here spiritually, it's an impetus to really go and live well and and resist what's harmful beyond just for myself because we're setting the heredity and the tendencies for those to come. So there's this whole history, this whole hierarchy where things are passed along and we inherit a situation. And Swedenborg comments on that further in New Jerusalem 176. He says, we constantly tend toward and lapse into what we have received by heredity. So we ourselves reinforce this evil in ourselves and also add even more to it. These evils are absolutely opposed to a spiritual life. So the earthly life, in this case, in the spiritual life, can't coexist. They destroy it. So unless we get from the, from the Lord a new life, a spiritual life, unless then we are conceived anew, born anew, and raised anew, that is, created anew, we are damned. <gasps> so it's pretty intense language, but... If you look here, just after that, he defines what he means by that. Because we want nothing and think about nothing but loving ourselves and the world, just as the people in hell do. So damned is this state of mind where you don't care about anybody, how they feel, how what's happening to them, how things affect them. You only care about how things affect you. That state of mind is what defines hell. 
according to Swedenborg. And this spiritual birth is to escape that and understand we actually share reality with other people. And it's through realizing that and then learning the experience of caring about those people, connecting with them, and sharing joy and love that we come into the direct opposite, which is this this heaven. So there's a pretty serious imperative for us to want this process to happen. Yes. And it sounds like it's actually the reason that we go through this life, or it's the main event that's happening within us. It's this huge, complex replacement process. Swedenborg mm. talks about it in True Christianity 583. He says, our spiritual body has to be formed within our physical body. Mm. The spiritual body is made out of truth and goodness that flow into us from the Lord through the spiritual world. So when he's talking about a course that the spiritual birth corresponds to physical birth, it's not just like, oh, these are sort of like each other. It's just as physical birth has to happen within this environment of the womb. It's got very specific conditions, and there's a there's a really ordered, delineated process where there's uh, cell differentiation, where they're, they're organizing all these different molecules and lipids and proteins in just the right way and building structures and sequence. That's happening within uh you know within our spirits that we're sort of mm. providing the womb in this life to let that formation for that, happen for that formation yes yeah. as if that spiritual body can't even be formed unless it's within this physical life yeah. and uh i gather from what swedenborg says that it's as precise yes you know what i mean it's as detailed it's not sort of like lots of people say oh yeah i feel born again or something like that but no this is this, every single piece of that process has some, you know, corresponding part yeah. in what's going on with our spirit, the development of this, before that can development and uh, develop. And then, the, you know, the spine elongates and yes. then, you know, so on. Uh, all these things develop in there. And, and Yeah. Uh, and you're going to see, I remember going to see uh, your ultrasounds and you they can mm. point out like, here's this little thing that's developing it. And you know, like everything's got to go perfect. And there's so much that has to happen. It's yeah. just, it's, it's not just like, Such oh, an the intense spiritual process. side is like, well, you know, like I'm reborn, like do a few good things, that there's there's that much precision and and um, importance mm. in, in the steps here. Yeah. So if it's this big of a deal, oh, I want to know, on the spiritual side, how does it get started? Mm, that's a great question. And we're going to find out in part two. Yeah, so how does this process get started? Swedenborg's using this analogy of the embryo. So that first moment of conception, what is that like? Well, not to bring in too many analogies at once, but I'd like to also layer on here uh, the seven days of creation. Beginning of the Bible, there's that idea that God created the earth in seven days. And Swedenborg says that that actually has to do with our recreation, if you will, you know, the, the regeneration that we go through. So what is that moment of conception? Well, that's aligned with the idea of let there be light. That first moment before that, the earth is without form and void. That can mean someone who's living a full life and, and you know, doing this and doing that. But, but still the spiritual light hasn't begun to dawn because this is this new life that's just beginning, that conception. So what is it like when that light dawns? What sort of insights do you have at the very beginning? There are things we don't know that come to light in that situation. Let's look at New Jerusalem 179. Each of us has an inner self and an outer self. Now, we do not realize this to begin with. The inner self is called our spiritual self, and the outer self is called our earthly self. If we are to be regenerated, each of these needs to be regenerated. 
Whoops, okay, so we got some work to do. If we have not been regenerated, then our outer or earthly self is in control and our inner self is its servant. While if we have been regenerated, our inner or spiritual self is in control and our outer self is its servant. So we can see that the proper order of life in us is inverted from birth. It's upside down. What ought to be in control is serving, and what ought to serve is in control. This order has to be reversed if we are to be saved. And the only way this reversal can be realized is through our being regenerated by the Lord. And so we need to have information. One of the things that happens with this new embryo is that it is now on this crazy growth cycle. You know, all that cell division going on is getting larger and larger. Okay, time's a, a wasting. It's got to go here, got to go. And it's soaking up all these nutrients, everything it can find that it needs to build, all the calcium, the different materials, carbon and so forth, to build that new creature in there. And this is analogous to our situation that as we start to go through this rebirth, suddenly we're in the market for all this information. We need truth to really be able to have this regeneration process go on in us. There are things that we need to understand, things that we need to be practicing, and we're hungry, we're starving for that information to be able to go through this growth phase that's beginning with us. Here's New Jerusalem 177 that says what we need in order to be regenerated. We cannot be regenerated unless we know the kinds of teachings that lead us to a new life, a spiritual life. If you don't know there is such a thing, why would you even go on that journey? What we must be taught in order to gain a new spiritual life are the truths that we need to believe and the good things we need to do, the truths that need to become part of our faith and the good actions that need to become part of our caring. This is really the whole arena in which this transformation is going to take place. In other words, there's going to be a transformation in our understanding and insight and a transformation in the way that we treat other people. We're going to come into a greater faith and a greater caring. Part of that faith is the realization that God exists And uh, there is a neighbor, I need to be more loving, people outside of me actually exist, and so on. And um, New Jerusalem 177 gives us a list of the kinds of things that we need. Uh, These are things that you don't find out from your own senses. You know, if there were just people living down here and there was no revelation, we would have no idea about these things. You can be a a decent person without knowing these things, but these are things we need to be reborn to reach that new spiritual level of development. The Lord, who is God from eternity, came into the world to save the human race. If there wasn't the revelation in the Bible, how would we know that? We would have no idea that that happened. The Lord, who is God, has all power in heaven and on earth. Yeah, we wouldn't know that. We would think it would just be physical laws. Everything that has to do with faith and caring, all truth and all goodness come from the Lord, who is God. We think these things originate in ourselves. Oh, actually, that flows in. That's important to realize because we will behave differently if we realize, oh, yeah, you can siphon that in. Heaven and hell exist. Our senses don't tell us that, but it's the truth, and we need to know that. And we're going to live forever in heaven if we have led a life of goodness, and in hell if we've led a life of of evil. Now, 
What I'm saying is that these concepts don't suddenly fix everything into the, oh, I'm a whole new person. I know these things. No, this is just the beginning. It's sort of a roadmap. It gives you some sort of sense of, okay, this is where we're going. This is, I need to grow more into these concepts. I need to believe these things more. I need to have a greater understanding of who God is and all that. And I also have to have a greater understanding of how to be of benefit to my neighbor, uh, be more selfless and more focused and understanding and compassion about what goes on with other people. This is a very important part of our growth. And something that goes right along with that is the fact that we need to put these things immediately into action. If you think back to that analogy of the embryo, isn't there that little heart that starts like it's at first it's just a few cells, but then it turns into a little heart and it starts to beat like it wants to get to work right away. And the, the muscles, you get the kicking in the womb and so forth. We're supposed to put these things to practice. And that's such an important part of siphoning it in. There's a gradual process to all of this. And so we need to put these things to use. And one of the first things we do it by way of putting this to use is that we go into that practice known as repentance. We had a whole show about that recently, uh, about the process of repentance that is so important. That's one of the first phases that leads into this. It takes us through repentance, reformation, and then into this regeneration that we're talking about where we really get that new heart and that new mind. Yeah, and it's such an important process you're describing that it's really, it's like Jenga blocks. Uh, Sorry, what? Jenga blocks. So let's say this is our life, right? And let's say this is evils and falsities. Mm. Swedenborg says we're born into sort of the life of the ego. This is what actually gives us joy. And you think God wants to replace us with goodness and truth. Well, what do you got to do? Yeah, right. And so I, I, the black is falsity and the red is evil. Yeah. Is that the idea? Okay. And we yeah, want yeah. those out good, of there, good. right? So Yeah, right. Get them out of there. Let's just do it as quickly as yeah. we can. If, if it was a weed in your garden, get rid them of it. Yeah. And then you lose spiritual life. So obviously that didn't work, but there Mm. is a way that divine love and wisdom can accomplish this process, and that's through bending rather than breaking, or or gradually and precisely moving forward Mm. within the framework of our life that already exists. So let's say that this represents all the joy that we get from things that Swedenborg would call evil and false. This is a Uh hardwired ego self. I want uh, sensory gratification. I want to be better than other people. I want to be first in line. I want to have more money, whatever it is. That's right. right. That's That's right. right. How do you know I had that one? Now, but this this is goodness and truth together. This is what God is trying to make our spirit into through this process. Which is actually the opposite of what we've already got in there. Yeah. So, so it's like this is tricky to substitute something opposite. That's right. right. That's exactly right. And and how are you going to do it? Well, you got to find the places where it works. Like there's going to be places that are a little bit looser. Like say mm. I wanted to show a particular person up, but instead, oh maybe I wouldn't like it if that happened to me. So we're able to just slowly uh-huh. replace. Now we get a little bit of joy yeah, from what's right. good and what's out outside of ourself. And through this process that we've described in a couple sentences, but it actually you can write volumes and volumes about the divine is switching up our Jenga blocks. Yeah, and it has to be gradual. Like it just cannot, it, it cannot, you cannot do this quickly. Yeah. Uh, because the whole thing would collapse. That's right. And you end up with eventually a whole brand new uh, Jenga tower in the same form. It's the same life, but it, what the life consists of is entirely different. So God is sitting here switching mm. our blocks as we go. Yeah. All right, I think, right. We're, I think we're getting in our time lapse now. 
So as you can see, we're a lot farther on our way. Now this is a person who just as often is being motivated and, and driven by what's from heaven as from hell. So if, if that can happen, then there's hope. Making some real progress. But you can see how it cannot happen overnight. That's right. Well, that's what, happen. And that's why we do this thing that we call life. Yeah. All right. And then we'll time lapse our way out of here. So through this grand process of spiritual rebirth, we are freed from evil and falsity. I mean, that's a lot of what it's about, and a lot of the work of that is accomplished by what Swedenborg calls spiritual crises. And I just want to point out before we go any farther, the length of the physical side. I mean, pregnancy is generally, they average it to 40 weeks, right? And Swedenborg says that this number 40, all over you'll see Swedenborg saying that 40 has to do with spiritual crises. This is why there was uh, rain for 40 days and 40 nights in Noah's Ark. All so it's just so fascinating that it happens to be that this measurement of the length of the, from pregnancy to, uh, you know, from conception to birth is 40 weeks and 40 is the same thing that is used to symbolize these spiritual crises we're talking about. I'm just saying, that's some pretty good convergence. All right, we're going to do a little bit of reading It lets us know what these crises are and what they accomplish. So first, in New Jerusalem 187, only people who are being regenerated experience spiritual crises, because spiritual crises are times of mental anguish for people whose lives are devoted to goodness and truth. These crises are brought about by evil spirits. When they stir up the evils in us, an anxiety wells up inside that is a symptom of our spiritual crisis. So it's not the whole crisis, but it's a symptom of it. When we are not, or we are not aware, however, of where anxiety is coming from, because we do not realize that a spiritual crisis is its source. Until now, I mean, now that we've given you that information, you can be aware. So we have this hell is instigating, it's attacking what's good and true inside of us, we start to feel anxious, and this is a part of these spiritual crises that are so important. So why do we go through them in the first place? Well, they accomplish very important things, and Swedenborg describes them in New Jerusalem 194 to 195. Crises of the Spirit help goodness in us gain control over evil, and truth gain control over falsity. So right, what should be in charge gets to be in charge through this. They help reinforce truths and join them to goodness, and at the same time, shatter evils and falsities that arise from them. Not too bad of a list. They also serve to open our inner spiritual self and bring our earthly self under its control, break up our love for ourselves and for the world, and tame the cravings that arise from them. Once this has been done, we come into enlightenment, and gain a perception of what is true and what is good, and of what is false and what is evil. This gives us intelligence and wisdom, which then keep growing day by day, much like the new person that's born grows day by day. During our spiritual crises, the Lord alone is fighting for us. If we do not believe that the Lord alone is fighting for us and winning for us, then we are experiencing only an outer crisis that does not do us much good. So it's it's as much about how we understand what we're going through as what we actually go through, so to get that this is a process that, that God is doing for us on our behalf, rather than just, oh, well, I got through that on my own. Because once we understand what the, the, the extent of what God is doing for us, that, that is the truth that liberates us, because we get our relationship to our source, and that is the foundation of the state of mind, which is heaven. And as we're going through all of this stuff, it's actually common to reach a point of 
despair. The Swedenborg says in NJ196, we call a crisis spiritual when the truths that belong to religious faith are under attack within us. Truths that we believe at heart and love, truths that we believe at heart and love to live by. This is especially so when the attack threatens the good things we do from love, the goodness in which we find our spiritual life. All this is done by the evil spirits who are with us, and as it is being done, it seems to us that we are suffering inner anxieties and pangs of conscience, because what is being done shakes and tortures our spiritual life. These crises are most severe when they are accompanied by pains experienced in our physical bodies, or in our bodies, meaning physical bodies, and are even worse if the pain persists and becomes more severe, and we beg for divine mercy, but there is still no deliverance. So it's not always anxiety. There can actually be a physical component to it as well. This leads to despair, which is the end of the process. So actually, despair is not, ooh, we've taken a wrong turn. This is part of it. And there's actually a physical analog to all this in the labor and delivery process. So Swedenborg writes about spiritual crises that it's not that we just go through them once, but that we have to have many of them through the course of our whole regeneration, the process of our regeneration. And this is another aspect of what he says about regeneration that lines up perfectly with pregnancy. Um, Because as we all know, to get a pregnancy to completion, um, a woman starts going through contractions, which eventually leads to the birth of her baby. And... um, It's interesting. So those contractions on their own totally paint this picture of how uh, each one can be seen as a spiritual crisis that is leading to that, you know, uh, separation of evil and falsity and joining love to truth in us. Um, And in labor, there are actually three different phases that happen. First is early labor, when the contractions might be far apart and um, pretty you know, moderate, not really very intense at all. And then you have active labor, and that's when the contractions are closer together and they're stronger and more intense. Um, And so it's interesting, just like how if you notice a phase of a spiritual crisis for yourself, often it feels like things get worse before they get better. Because then labor goes through ultimately to the third phase of labor, which is transition. And this really lines up well with what Swedenborg says about that final point of despair that you, that we have to come to in a spiritual crisis. And no matter how much we hate it, you have to go through it. And that is entirely true about that third phase of labor that is called transition, um, which just means you're transitioning from labor into actual delivery mode. Um, but there are some classic sort of psychological and emotional aspects to transition that line up a lot like a spiritual crisis. I've had three kids and you get to a point when it just feels like you can't do it anymore. And yet clearly your body can, it's your mind that thinks you can't do it anymore. Um, And you classically, women can get to a point where they feel like they can't go on. They might call for, you know, anesthesia at that point um, because things are getting so intense. And yet for a person, for the midwife or a support person or a doula, When a woman gets to that phase, she's feeling like, I'm giving up, I can't do this anymore. And yet that's actually a very very promising point because it means she's right really close to the end of the process. It means her body is getting right ready to to bring this baby into the world. And so it's an interesting counterintuitive thing that when you, and yet it lines up so perfectly with our spiritual life, that when you feel like you can't go on, you are actually really close to the end. And... There's something about that quality of despair that 
part of part of with contractions and in labor is that you can have a lot of resistance to what's happening. And I think that's true with our uh, temptations, our spiritual crises. But with um, when you reach that point of despair, there's there's some kind of a surrendering or a just a, a letting go and even a softening to the process that then actually lets your body open up and bring you to the next phase, which is bringing your beautiful baby into the world or the Lord bringing you into this new phase of love being rooted deep in your heart. So just like in labor and delivery, there's a lot to go through, but there is an amazing end result. And Swedenborg describes just what comes about on the spiritual side from our our spiritual birth. This is Secrets of Heaven, 1803. People who are born from the Lord, that is, who are reborn, receive the Lord's life. As I have said, the Lord's life is divine love, or love for the whole human race, and the desire to save the entire race and all its members forever, if possible. So that, think about the the scope and the scale of that aim, and what a good thing that is, and that we begin to receive that from God. And it really does have direct analogs to all parts of the birth process, because just like what the mom is going through when birth is happening, the Lord is going through those stages on our behalf as well, that the Lord does go through a form of labor, Swedenborg says, in this struggle, in this defending us from hell as they attack those parts of us we're just reading about, that is like what the woman is going through when birth and labor are happening. But after it's over, just like a new mom gets to rest when this amazing thing is happening, you've got this sweet little cute baby, the Lord is resting when we've completed this spiritual birth. Because when it's over, the good of love has been implanted in us, and now we can be led in a different way. Actually, Swedenborg says we can be led by the Lord through heaven in accord with divine order, that there's a different relationship between us and God after it's finished, that before it was God having to try to get us to follow and working all these things in the system, but there's a ease to the way in which we partner with God after this has happened. Just like it's a whole different thing. And the baby can be in the womb and you're, you know, you, you can see ultrasounds of it and think about it. But when the baby's actually out there, there's this whole new level of connection. Also, Swedenborg says, when we experience our spiritual birth, we our spirits are introduced into the community of angels that we'll come into after we die. So we are actually now among angels in a new way. And I think that that's just like physical birth, because when a baby is born, aren't they suddenly around these angels? The parents are there, even the you know, the relatives of people who may be in the room, even the doctors and nursing staff, everybody there is is capable and, and ready to, to help and guide this new soul, much like Swedenborg describes how when we arrive in the afterlife, angels are there who are ready to provide every service that we could possibly want at the time, because we are just this this infant, in a way, in this new world, and we actually can be starting that process here, in this world, that our spirits can come into that care while we're still hanging out here and, and trying to live life and improve. So it's a pretty cool thing to think about. So even though at the beginning of the show, you were a little reluctant to go through this process, it seemed like it's actually a very positive thing. Oh, yeah. I, I, I completely have a new perspective on it. And it seems like the, the benefits, the purpose, what this is bringing into our lives is so phenomenal. You know what? I, I'm going to go for it. Mm, <laughs> and I, that's I, I no longer want to pass okay. it up. All and right. so that I and you and all of us don't forget uh, how to do it or, or how to have it happen to us, let's uh, solidify it with our wrap up. 
Even though regeneration is a vital process to our spiritual life, so much of it is being done by the divine that we're barely aware of the complexity and effort being put in. It's a lot like how little a developing embryo is aware of everything happening in pregnancy. Actually, that's a direct correspondence, and the reason why Jesus and virtually every spiritual tradition speak about spiritual growth in terms of being born again. We're born with an earthly life, but for a spiritual life to begin, we have to be taken through the process of regeneration. Regeneration is essentially the process of opening and strengthening the inner self. Just like physical pregnancy requires the presence of the right conditions and nutrients to succeed, our spiritual amniotic fluid has to contain knowledge of both goodness and truth. Swedenborg asserts that although we can acquire some of that knowledge through observation and life, there are some essential nutrients, such as the nature and power of God, that Swedenborg claims we can get only through revelation. And of course, to really bring these elements to life, we have to practice and use them. And as physical birth is accompanied by the struggle of labor and delivery, regeneration only happens through the work in spiritual crises. During these times of inward trial and existential pain, we can even fall into what seems like total despair, but take hope, because it's actually all part of the process. And what's on the other side is so amazing. A new connection to God and the divine design, new levels of peace and understanding, and even the introduction of our spirit into a community of angels. So it's amazing the, the level of change that this can bring into mm. our lives. And it's a change is all about, as we said in the title of this show, radical love, like this mutual uh, desire to, to help everyone in the human race that, that God has made out of can come into us as a result of this process. And, mm. and all, the, right. all this complexity, all this, you know, bits and parts is, is about bringing that love in, That's right. into our life. And I don't, I would be worried that I want that. So what, you know, what if I didn't learn everything I needed to learn? What if I didn't have all the trials I needed to have? Mm. How do I know that this got completed before I die? So I can, what if you, know? you feel like you didn't get far enough or yeah, yeah right, right. Well, yeah. luckily, actually, all we got to do is, is get face in, in the right direction. Swedenborg mm. says, this is New Jerusalem 184, people who live lives of faith and caring. So this is just higher principles, love toward the neighbor to the extent you can, but have not been regenerated in this world are regenerated in the other life. Ah, so, so it's not too late. That's right. You don't got to wrap the whole thing up. You just got to kind of show an inclination and, and take a few basic steps that we all have access toward. Mm, that's right. And there's also a process feel. You remember that quote from earlier in the show where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about you have to be born again. That's right. And then there's this baffling thing that happens in the text there right after that. Okay. Um, he suddenly starts talking about the wind. You know, what, what is he talking about? This is what it says. The wind blows where it wishes... And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I think what this is talking about is that if you're going through that spiritual birth, yeah. born of the Spirit, then you feel symptoms of it, like you feel different. That's the sound of it. You, know? yes. you feel different this year than you did last year or five years ago, or even sometimes you don't notice a difference or you even feel worse, but your friends say yeah. you're so much better than you, you know, like right. people can see that you're, that, you're, that you're getting better, that some of the problems that dogged you before are not so much of a problem now. But yeah. You're not in charge of the process, so you 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 hear the sound, but you don't know where it's coming from, where it's going. You don't know what what happens next, yeah. or how long will this phase be, or anything like that. You know, no more than the fetus does going through that process. Because well, even if, if someone says, "Okay, what direction is the wind going?" You have to. Like, 
Mm, like you try yes. to look at a, a tree or right. something. Right, I can like that. hear it, but I don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Okay, so so the, and I, I thought Jesus is just like let's talk about the weather, but no, this is part of it. Is this <laughs> knowledge right. that that you're only in on a bit of it, so don't try to stress about the whole process. That's right, and there's a process, and that's why it doesn't happen instantly, and uh, that's why the wind blows. At one moment from this direction to, to move you this way, and then the wind blows this way, moves yeah. you that way, you know. So it's a whole series of stages that you go through. Even if it just feels like a, I'm just getting knocked all, all over the place. Yeah, that's Something right. Good so, some days it feels that way. That's right. Very good. Very good. That's our show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it very much. As always, we're going to get to one of your questions. But first, here's a couple of thank yous. So if you're enjoying it all, what you're uh, watching, I want to say thanks very much for doing it. If you want to help us spread on the web, like and subscribe. And of course, if you subscribe, make sure you click that bell to get the notifications. And if you want to make this programming and other programming like it possible, consider joining us on Patreon. Just for just a dollar per episode, you can be part of the crew that makes the whole thing happen. And we'll be rewarding you in our own little way with some behind-the-scenes content, extra stuff to connect you more to us and the ideas and everything like that. So thanks uh, very much for considering. All right, so now we're going to get to, as we always do, one of your excellent questions. This was from our recent community chat. Jim asks, what was Swedenborg's work life like? How many hours did he put into writing his many books and dividing his time between his work duties and other things on a daily basis? It's something we all struggle with, balancing our spiritual life and our work ethic. It would be interesting to see it from Swedenborg's perspective. Mm. A little practical balance. How much effort are we putting into what? I mean, this is something I'd, I'd love to know the answer to. Do you know much about his practices? I do know a little bit about it, that he um, he had an unusual situation. Okay. He was uh, independently wealthy, you know, and so he didn't have like a day job. He sort of quit his day job uh, yes. right when his spiritual eyes were being opened. He had been working for the Board of Minds. Okay. And he says at one point, so he kept a rather unusual schedule. He said, uh, when I'm tired, I go to sleep. When I'm hungry, I eat. What? <laughs> so sort of like a teenage situation or yeah. something. But okay. um, he would work extremely long hours on this. The, the amount of material that he would write was just amazing. And he had pretty much cleared the decks. There was a five-year period in the middle of his uh, writing these theological works where there was a, a war, there was actually sort of a world war going on, hmm. and there was tremendous inflation. And he stopped for a, actually several years, you know, talk about work-life balance. He yeah. sort of just put his attention instead entirely into the crisis that was going on, because he was part oh. of the government. Okay. So he was writing things about inflation, about the f- freedom in the country and what I needed didn't know to happen. That. And all he, stuff. he sort of totally re-immersed in the, the happenings yeah. of the physical world. Yeah, and kind of stopped for a couple, three years in there to... Uh, and so it was on the grand scale, there was sort of that balance, but yeah. it was like a lot of theology. But he still kept up a social life. He would go, you know, if anybody invited him to dinner, he would always say yes, he would go and he would uh, talk to people and so on. And, yeah. and apparently he was a delightful dinner guest. Yeah. So he kept up sort of a life in this world and he kept up other duties in regard to the government, but it wasn't like a 40 hour a week type yeah. of situation. So he might not even be that great an example to model it off of because he had this this amazing imperative, you've got to write this stuff. And he was, a, because of his life situation, could just pour, you know, he didn't have a family. He was, mm. as you said, able to sustain himself. But I think within his work, we do find some things that could be helpful. For, he's talking about balance our spiritual life with our work 
ethic that to Swedenborg the 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 core of spiritual life you could say is being useful and practicing right. what he called charity or or kindness or yeah. thoughtfulness. And he says that the primary way we do that is through doing what is our general occupation with a, an honest eye to the common good. So it's almost like you can multitask. Oh, <laughs> there's a couple of Jenga blocks over there. Um, if you've seen the rest of the show, you'd get that. Uh, so it's almost like you can multitask. You can get you can get your spiritual yeah. and your physical work done. And my last thought is, he says that a spiritual life is not separate from the world, it's in the world. Yeah. So it's almost like right. the, the things we're doing day to day can be where we're applying these principles. Um, I, I think his heart got so engaged in what he was doing, and you can see from his spiritual diary, spiritual experiences, that he's he's writing on Sundays, he's writing yeah. on Christmas Day, he's writing on his birthday, you know, like he, he's just very engaged. Time is short, he doesn't have long to, to do something huge here, and so he's working very hard at it, you know, and so I think he was uh, pretty um, intense yeah. about the work that that he was doing. So uh, thinking about his commentary on why ha- why pursue health, physical health. Mm. He says that the point of having a healthy body is to have a healthy mind within the body. Yeah. And the point of having a healthy mind is to serve the greater good. So I think about like work life balance if you're getting to even if you're doing something important if you're getting so into it that you're sacrificing the sort of lower levels on your hierarchy if your family life is falling apart yeah. if your nutrition is falling apart and in the long run you're not going to be able to contribute as well so i think it's probably you what what are all the different functions i'm performing make sure i can do those sustainably that's right and he had a uh Pretty simple diet, you know, pretty healthy diet, yeah. and uh, so he he cared about that what he was eating, and also there's some time where he goes out for a social experience in his I think he's in his late seventies, okay, and they say can when he's done they say can we call you a carriage because he's seven miles from home and he says no I'll walk. And apparently yeah. he was tough to keep up with. He was very fit. So I don't know if he was going out and walking every day. I don't yeah. I don't know. This, but somehow he was keeping up that that physical fitness as well. So in the end, it's com- it's complicated. Yeah. You know, because there are certainly times when, right, for the common good, people will like really o- over-devote themselves to work. There's other times when people over-devote themselves to work and it doesn't do any good for anyone. So yeah. it's I, I guess we can't prescribe something for all situations, but hopefully those are a couple of principles that... Yeah, that will inform. That's right. Great question, Jim. We're con- we're all continuing to learn the secrets of that. But as Swedenborg was saying, do what you do for the common good as the as the primary and, aim, and that'll guide you. Yeah, okay. that's right. All right, thanks, Jim. All right, that's our show for this week. I'm impressed that you made it this far. If you want to join us next week, we'll be doing some more fascinating digging into the world of Swedenborg's message and thought. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation and these seals that are open. We'll look at specifically the first five where we feature the very famous four horsemen. It's a very strange, puzzling imagery. What is it? What does it mean? We're going to find out next Monday. I hope you can join us then. Swedenborg and Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.